All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation Hey, Box Score Breakdown, back at it again for another edition of your favorite program on your favorite network. It's David Gracie, your lead host of the NBA Box Score Breakdown here today to talk to you about what has been a very busy week in the NBA. It is transaction season, free agency is upon us, and teams are active. As always, I'm joined by another one of our esteemed colleagues from the network and one of my personal favorites, Mr. Brad Harden, host of the Atlanta Hawks Hootball Podcast. Brad, how's it going in Atlanta today? It's going good, David. It's going good. The sun is shining, and it's a very, very bright future here in the city of Atlanta for the Hawks. So very excited to be on this program once again with you, my brother, and just to talk about the landscape of the NBA and what's going down down here in the Peach State. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the lights are shining bright on a lot of the NBA superstars right now and stars across the league. We see a lot of parity kind kind of starting to develop with what has been a very, very busy transaction window for a lot of these NBA teams. And I know that they say the lights shine brighter, brighter in the Big Apple, but it looks like the giant peach uh, might be up next. So we're going to start in Atlanta today. Um, we're going to talk about some of the moves that they've made as it has been a pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy change of scenery for a lot of the players on that team. I mean, they brought in several new faces. Uh, trying to really revamp that front office and make a push into championship contention in the wide open East. So starting out, um, I mean, obviously we know the Atlanta Hawks, <clears throat> they have made an offer on Bogdan Bogdanovich. We're still waiting for that to materialize, but it does sound like the Sacramento Kings are not intending to match that offer sheet. So Bogdanovich may well be on his way to the ATL. Um, outside of that, of course, they did add to Neil Gallinari at the power forward position, um, had some other good signings at the point guard position with bringing in the defensively versatile guard, Chris Dunn, um, as well as the savvy veteran of Rajon Rondo coming fresh off of the championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Brad, tell me in your opinion, what are you what are you most excited about for the Hawks? Obviously, you're going to be covering this team uh, for the entirety of this upcoming season, and you're really really excited to see what they do with this new team they've put together. To um, front office, I'm just really excited that the Hawks really just attacked all of their needs this off season. Going into the off season, I have famously proclaimed that defense three-point shooting and veteran presence were key for this team to continue to take the next step. And I think they addressed all those needs, adding Chris Dunn, as you alluded to, with his defensive defensive versatility Sorry, at the perimeter. Rondo with his leadership and experience, which is, you know, invaluable for this young Hawks core coming from, you know, fresh off of a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers and winning championships in two different organizations, his experience would be very invaluable with Trey Young and as well as Chris Dunn and all the other players on this roster. And he just has a knack for just setting up players 
in the most efficient spots on the court for them. So I really like for him to take that charge with the second unit and really elevate the play of, you know, the Cam Reddishes, the DeAndre Hunters, the Bruno Fernandos, and other young players that are here on this roster here in Atlanta. And obviously adding Gallo with his uh, offensive, you know, prowess, shooting, playmaking, scoring around the rim efficiency, and obviously shooting 90% from the free throw line. So the Hawks really did things to take a step forward. And I think that they have solidified themselves as a playoff team, depending on if we get bogey or not, that will determine how high their ceiling is, but they still have to play the games. And I know the big question in Atlanta is, you know, we have too much, too many players now vying for playing time, which depth is a good problem to have compared to last year when you have rookies like Reddish and Hunter, as I mentioned, playing over 28 minutes a game, respectively for both of them so it's a great problem to have when you have depth and people fighting for minutes i think just breeds confidence in this roster and i think that them competing each and every day for playing time is just going to make them better once they actually play under the lights in the state farm arena and of course arenas across the league yeah, like you said, you know, um, the, the Atlanta Hawks were very, very aggressive with their efforts this season to improve their roster, um, both through the draft and in the transaction period for the NBA. So I think they have firmly put themselves into playoff conversation. Um, and if you kind of look around the league at the teams that were right around them uh, last season as the Hawks finished second to last in the Eastern Conference, um, clearly, clearly the Cleveland Cavaliers have not really done anything to take a step forward. Um, they lost Tristan Thompson to the Boston Celtics in free agency. Outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of movement from their roster. Uh, the Detroit Pistons went out and drafted, I'm sorry, went out and acquired every single big man that was available in the free agent market for some reason. So we're still waiting for that situation to kind of develop and materialize. Um, perhaps Blake Griffin may be on his way out. Still remains to be seen. The Knicks, stagnant as always, brought in New Orleans Noel. Not really sure why when you have Mitchell Robinson, but I digress. Um, and the Chicago Bulls, you know, were able to add some pieces to the draft, but still none of these teams really took a big step forward. Um, the Charlotte Hornets and the Washington Wizards set kind of at the top of the pole position right outside of the playoffs. The Wizards are in the middle of a very tumultuous situation with John Wall. He may be on his way out. That remains to be seen. Uh, and the Charlotte Hornets did everything they could to bring in a big-name free agent. They finally were able to do so, uh, adding Gordon Hayward for a pretty big contract. Um, you can weigh the pros and the cons of that, if you will. They also were able to draft LaMelo Ball, who is a very, very intriguing draft prospect. Uh, we look forward to his playmaking abilities on that roster. Um, he should get all the run that he can handle. So kind of looking at that picture there for the for the bottom of the Eastern Conference, um, specifically with the Charlotte Hornets, what is your personal opinion, Brad, about the Hornets' uh, acquisition of Gordon Hayward um, and that pretty massive contract. Do you think that that was a good move or a bad move? Well, on Gordon's part, it's a great move because when you've had the injury history that he's had and it's no secret that he was not happy in Boston with how they utilized him and he felt, quote unquote, betrayed. Those are his words, not mine. But it's a fresh start for him. But as far as Charlotte, they they had the roster that they had and. I think Gordon Hayward helps, especially when you have a young LaMelo ball. So you have two capable playmakers. Young, relatively young roster at this point, but they didn't do anything as far as getting another center. You still bring back uh, Batum, which I heard they're going to wave. That's still yet to be seen. So I think that Charlotte took a couple steps forward, but I don't think they took enough enough steps forward. Uh, compared to the Atlanta Hawks. And I don't think that they're a better team at this point than the Washington Wizards, who didn't really get better, but they didn't get worse in bringing back John Wall. Uh, it makes things interesting now as far as John Wall's situation, as you alluded to. We don't know how that is going to shake out, if he will be moved, especially with him requesting a trade. But it's a very interesting uh, contract. That's, I mean, if you do the math, that's $30 million a year, and we don't know exactly the details if it's ascending or descending in value uh, as, as you go through the years. But it was, it was a very – it was a head-scratching move for the Hornets, but I see what they are trying to do. And, I mean, it doesn't hurt that behind Gordon Hayward you do have a Miles Bridges at that three position to come in off the bench and it cuts his minutes down. So maybe he's a little bit more effective and efficient with his minutes. So it's yet to be seen. 
in Charlotte. Uh, we know, you know, MJ's moves are very infamous as far as as a GM. And we'll see if this one pan, pans out. But we know that in the past they normally don't. But I hope for Gordon Hayward's sake it does. And I hope for LaMelo's sake it does because I think that Gordon Hayward on his roster will help LaMelo out. Yeah, I definitely think having that veteran leadership that Hayward will bring to the roster will be very, very important for them as the Hornets do try to make themselves uh, playoff relevant as the season kind of continues to develop. Um, we hope for Gordon Hayward to, you know, return to form. This is a guy who was all-star. Uh, this was a guy who was a very, very efficient player, a good scorer, uh, very versatile, was able to do a little bit of everything to help benefit you in the box score. And he's just kind of been snake bit by injuries uh, ever since that initial trade. or I'm sorry, ever since that initial acquisition uh, with the Boston Celtics from the Utah Jazz. Um, so we're hoping Gordon Hayward is able to get back together, uh, get back right to where he used to be because he's a very, very talented player. Uh, and as you said, you know, anytime a guy's able to go out there and get the money that he deserves, uh, we're very, very happy for him. So as always, you know, wishing him nothing but the best. Um, and hopefully, you know, Michael Jordan is able to finally bring some sort of prestige to the Charlotte Hornets because this has been a franchise that even though they do have MJ underfold, has been very, very far from um, illustrious, you could say. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, and moving up, you know, through the Eastern Conference, we saw the Orlando Magic really not do a whole lot, pretty stagnant as well, which is personally to me very very surprising um, we've seen a lot of rumors about them potentially moving Aaron Gordon potentially you know trying to make a trade for Russell Westbrook etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but to this point the Magic have been pretty stagnant um, which is not good for them because that's pretty much been the state of their franchise since Dwight Howard left they have not really done a whole lot um, every single year they are right around that eighth seed and every single year they get bumped in the first round so we'll see what the Magic are able to do um, still plenty of time to kind of shuffle the roster around but that remains to be seen Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets were expecting KD and Kyrie to come back, so everybody's very excited about that. Um, they made a couple moves in the offseason here. We saw them bring in Bruce Brown from the Detroit Pistons as well as Landry Shamit, both via trade, um, bringing in good ball handlers, good playmakers, um, and adding some perimeter shooting, which I think you can always use in this league. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers also, we saw the Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers experiment in full effect, um, and pretty quickly here as they were able to bring in Doc's, um, what is it, his... His son-in-law, uh, Seth Curry, Mavericks, to improve their perimeter shooting and playmaking um, via trade with Josh Richardson. Um, and then we uh, we also saw, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we also saw the uh, Philadelphia 76ers kind of double down on what looks like to be um, them building around Simmons and Embiid with also bringing in veteran leadership and Danny Green via trade from Oklahoma City. So, it appears, even though there was a lot of questions about that fit, it appears that Maury and Docker are at least going to give it their best go that they can um, and see how they can maximize this roster with those two guys under fold. As we've seen in the past, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can be an incredibly efficient and destructive duo um, on the court, so we definitely hope to kind of see that round back into shape. We also still have Tobias Harris under fold with the 76ers, and he played his best basketball to date under Doc Rivers and his tenure with the Clippers. So maybe we will be able to see a revamped um, and reorganize Philadelphia 76ers, and I definitely expect them to be at the top of the conference here in the East. Moving up, Miami Heat, of course, um, pretty much were able to retain the majority of their players. They brought back Goran Dragic, who was one of the best guards in the East last season. That's no secret, so that's big time. Um, they were also able to bring in Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. Now, they did lose Jay Crowder, of course, in free agency uh, to the Phoenix Suns, but Mo Harkless is a very, very good, very versatile wing defender. You can play him at the small ball four. Um, you can run him at the three. Uh, this is a guy who can guard the majority of those big players in the NBA who are really going to give you problems, especially in the postseason, so that's a good add. And Avery Bradley, obviously, we know how much the Lakers were missing him during the bubble. Uh, ultimately, it didn't really hurt them too much as they walked away with the NBA championship, but Avery Bradley is a great defender, playmaker, um, and his talent, obviously, is one that is regarded around the NBA. The Indiana Pacers were not able to get a deal done with the Boston Celtics. Everybody was kind of whispering and murmuring about a potential signing trade with Gordon Hayward, but Danny Age kind of blew, the, blew it on that one. Um, he was asking for too much. He, I believe uh, he wanted to get back at TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner combination somewhere in there, two of the three uh, for Gordon Hayward. But I believe the Pacers were only offering um, – I believe TJ Warren and Doug McDermott, or maybe it was Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. Either way, not what Ainge was looking for. No deal was able to get done. And the Pacers bring back the majority of their roster. So we'll be able to see what that kind of looks like. Uh, it's really going to hinge on Victor Oladipo's availability and health in order for them to take a step forward um, and really become a, a, you know, a potential um, 
uh, a potential championship contender, but that remains to be seen. The Boston Celtics, as I said, were unable to get that deal done as Gordon Hayward walks out the door for nothing. They also lose Brad Wanamaker to the Golden State Warriors. That's a big pickup for Golden State, given their injury situation. Um, and they were able to re-sign Jason Tatum to that max extension, about $195 million. Get paid, Jason Tatum. Get paid. And he sure did. Uh, the Celtics brought in Tristan Thompson, which definitely helps them solidify their front court as they lost Enes Cantor to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I expect the Celtics to come out and look pretty good. They still have Kimball Walker. They still have Jalen Brown. Obviously, Marcus Smart is a very valuable guard. Tatum, you brought in Tristan Thompson. You re-signed Daniel Tice. I'm excited for the Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, though, they were not able to recoup any of the losses. That is the asset of Gordon Hayward. And ultimately, when you look back at that acquisition, it looks like it was a great big waste of time. Uh, Leading up the pack, the Toronto Raptors, who were the number two seed last season in the East. I do not expect that trend to continue. Unfortunately for the Raptors, they lost Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka, both to, both to the L.A. teams on the West Coast, the Clippers and the Lakers, respectively. Uh, did re-sign Fred Van Vliet, which is big time. They need his talent on the perimeter. Uh, teamed with uh, Kyle Lowry, you really, really love that tandem. And the energy that they're going to bring as the Raptors are relocated to Tampa Bay this season, they kind of look to to figure it out. I mean, this is a, this is looking like a pretty new team here. Um, over the past couple seasons, the Raptors have seen some pretty high volume turnover. So we'll see. I mean, nobody expected them to maintain the record that they did last season after losing Kawhi and they were able to do so. You still have Siakam, uh, you brought in Aaron Bain. So we'll see the Raptors are a team that is always going to grind fight and is incredibly well coached. So I look for them to come out and compete, but number two seed overall in the East, I'm not seeing that happening for them this season. And, that leads me to the number one seed last season, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks obviously have a lot hanging on the line for them with the potential re-signing of Giannis Antetokounmpo to that max extension, um, that super max extension. He still has not signed it yet. We haven't heard a whole lot about that, to my knowledge. He's still in Greece. Um, but the Bucks have been very, very busy. They were able to bring in Drew Holiday, which is big time for them, replacing Eric Bledsoe. I mean, that goes second to none. Obviously, Drew Holiday is an improvement at the point guard position of Eric Bledsoe. You're, you're improving your floor spacing. You're improving your playmaking. You're improving your perimeter shooting. Um, you're improving your defense, as Drew Holiday is, without question, one of the most versatile guards defensively in the NBA, bar none. Um, so you love that. On the fringes, they were able to do a couple other things, um, bringing in a Tory Craig for scoring, bringing in a DJ Augustine as your backup point guard. But big egg on their face with the Bogdanovich fiasco, um, trying to sign a guy who's a free agent when he hasn't agreed to the deal and then announcing it as a done deal. Um, the NBA has come in and completely – uh, completely just nixed that trade. So that is no longer the case, as we mentioned before. It looks like Bogdanovich is headed to ATL, and that is not a good look for the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks who are trying to reassure Giannis Antetokounmpo that they are doing everything in their power to make themselves uh, the future NBA champion for this season. So I kind of rattled off a whole bunch of information for the Eastern Conference here at you, Brad. But as you kind of look over it, what was one through eight last season and then the outside of the playoffs. What team do you think took the biggest step forward, obviously outside of your Atlanta Hawks in the East, and what team do you think took the biggest step back? I think the team that took the biggest step forward is the 76ers. Uh, I know that, you know, Daryl Morey came in and definitely his tentacles were all through free agency in the draft as well and with trades. And I think that, They've really done a really good job to restructure this roster with shooters around Simmons and Embiid and other capable defenders as well to really just help propel them up the Eastern Conference standings, especially with the Celtics. I say it's a wash. I said that lo I say losing Gordon Hayward for nothing was not great, but you add Tristan Thompson, you add Jeff Teague as a backup point guard, and you know with Kimba Walker's injury history as of late, it's good that you can plug in Jeff Teague, who can score when he needs to, but he's really good at facilitating and getting assists, and really going to let Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who just got paid, get young brother get paid. So I think Gordon Hayward leaving is really going to. <laughs> As, as much as, you know, as great as they both played, it's going to continue to elevate Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's play on the offensive end. And we already know what they can do. As I think that they did not take a step backwards, as you would say. I agree with the Raptors, but I would have to say definitely the, the 76ers took a step up, uh, forward and they can challenge the one seed this year, especially 
under the leadership of Doc Rivers. And it's great that he can bring in some players that he's coached uh, in Landry Shamit from the Clippers. And obviously, we all know that Tobias Harris had a really, really great tenure under Doc Rivers in L.A. before moving on to the 76ers via trade. So I think that to have a couple people in place that has been coached by Doc Rivers who are in the locker room, you add some veteran presence, as alluded to with Danny Green and and Dwight Howard as a backup five, which is great it, with MB's in injury history as well, to have a tenured center who was defensive player of the year a few times as well and a multiple-time All-Star and a champion just this past year with the Lakers to bring in some experience and some veteran leadership there. So I think the 76ers definitely took a step forward in the East, and they will be challenging the Bucks and the Celtics uh, at the top as and then you alluded to, I think the Raptors will take a step back, but I still think that they will be a really good team with Siakam, with Kyle Lowry still there, uh, retaining Van, Fred Van Fleet and OG and rated player in this league as a three and deep type player. Uh, the Raptors are not going to go anywhere. They're not going to. I don't think they'll be in the you know Eastern Conference Finals next year, but they're always going to be a tough out with the, their core relatively still intact. And obviously you can't uh, discount the heat with the moves that they made. Uh, I, I arguably think they made some upgrades to their roster, even though they've lost, you know, Derek Jones Jr., as you, you know, mentioned in others, uh, Jay Crowder. But I think they've definitely made some upgrades with the signings that they have made. So it's going to be very tough at the top half of the uh, Eastern Conference. It's going to be really interesting to see, especially with, you know, a healthy Kyrie and KD in the fold. So I really think the top six teams in the East is really going to be a dogfight. And then rounding out the, uh, the bottom half will be the Pacers. I think I expect the Hawks to be there and we'll see. I think um, obviously not talking about the upper echelon, but I really think the magic did not do anything to get better. And I ultimately think that they will get bumped out as I think that the, you know, re whatever happens again with John wall, the Washington Wizards will be in a conversation as they were in the NBA bubble this past year. So uh, the Eastern Conference is definitely going to be, you know, a rat race. Uh, it's no longer just the daunting Western Conference and the little brother. That's the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference has some good teams in their own own right. And it's going to be really interesting to play out in this 72 game sprint of a season that they're going to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a sprint. I mean, this season is going to be very accelerated, as we clearly know, just simply due to the lack of games that we're going to be working with um, and, and the start of the season, the start date um, being late here in December. So it's going to be very, very interesting in the East. Um, it's really wide open, as wide open as it's ever been, especially with all the shuffling around of rosters. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, kind of pivot across conference here into the West. Uh, we'll start again from the bottom. Obviously, last season was a very disastrous one for the Golden State Warriors, and this season has started off not so great. Uh, they were able to fortunately draft James Weissman number two overall, but that same evening they got the unfortunate news that Klay Thompson has suffered an Achilles tear and will be out for the remainder of this upcoming season. Golden State, I mean, that was definitely very, very unfortunate news for them. Um, very, very timely as everybody was kind of talking about how they were looking to break back into the scene and potentially push for championship contention in their first year with a full roster. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Fortunately for them, they were able to bring in a Kelly Oubre. Uh, they were able to bring in a Brad Wanamaker. So they brought in a couple pieces here that I think will kind of help them weather the storm of the regular season. But for the Golden State Warriors, uh, you're looking at Steph Curry being 32. You're looking at Draymond Green on the other side of his defensive player of the year awards. Um, I'm just wondering what they're really going to be able to do as far as that championship window. And it might just be closing and closing with every passing day as we see the Lakers, the Clippers, and other teams in the West continue to improve their roster. So for Golden State, a lot of question marks around them this season. But ultimately, when you have Steph Curry on the roster, uh, you're, you're, you're in pretty good position. So I, I'm excited to see what Golden State does. Uh, second worst team in the West last year was Minnesota. Minnesota this offseason obviously had the number one overall pick. Drafted Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Uh, this kid is a big-time athlete. 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan. Versatile defender. Um, I mean, motor like crazy, perimeter scoring, playmaking, pretty much everything you could ask for. Still a pretty raw prospect, but very, very young. I believe he's 19. So the, the future is bright for Minnesota. Um, they also were able to re-sign Malik Beasley after that very unfortunate situation he had earlier in the offseason um, with some legal stuff going on for him. Um, and obviously they still have Towns and D'Lo under the or under 
So I look for Minnesota to really continue their their push to try to build what is um, a culture of youth and talent in Minnesota. Um, you know, they have been far out of playoff position for what well, feels like forever. And I'm sure the fans up there are very, very starved for a successful season. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be coming this season, but the future is very, very bright for the T-Wolves. Pelicans, very, very busy this offseason. I mean, almost as busy as the Oklahoma City Thunder with all the shuffling and pick acquiring and things of that nature. So Pelicans brought in Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, most notably. Um, now, Stephen Adams, I do wonder how that fit really works with Zion because, in my opinion, Zion's small ball five and you're kind of starting two centers. Uh, obviously, you lost Drew Holiday, uh, but you were able to get back a King's ransom for him. Um, Eric Bledsoe is definitely an improvement at the point guard position, but do you also need George Hill? I I'm assuming that they're probably going to be moving off of one of those guys. It sounds like they want to keep Bledsoe uh, on the roster for this season to help with the development of Alonzo ball. So for the Pelicans, um, you know, pretty good. I mean, they did a pretty good job. They have lost Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and gotten paid very, very handsomely for both of those assets while maintaining all of the youth talent that they have. I expect, I expect them to re-sign Brandon Ingram to that max contract after his breakout season last year. Um, and I expect for the, the Pelicans to firmly try to put themselves in that playoff conversation uh, around the bottom of the Western Conference here because they have the talent, uh, they have the pieces, and, of course, they have Zion Williamson, coached under new coach Dan Van Gundy. So I'm very, very excited to see what they do there with Dave Griffin in that front office. Sacramento Kings re-signed De'Aaron Fox to a massive extension. Uh, Well-deserved. Um, this guy is one of the most athletic guys in the NBA, one of the few guys who – is really able to give those top tier guards serious problems and stay in front of them. I don't know anybody who has the lateral quickness of De'Aaron Fox in the NBA, and I'm very, very excited for what the Kings are going to be able to do going forward. Obviously, they lost Bogdan Bogdanovich. It appears they're not going to match that contract offer sheet from the Atlanta Hawks. They have to figure out the situation with Buddy Heald, but maybe that kind of resolves itself if Bogdanovich walks out the door. Um, and the Kings look to try to figure out who they are. They're trying to solidify an identity for themselves in a very loaded Western Conference. They have the young piece required to do so. Hopefully Marvin Bagley like the player that he was in the Drew League and otherwise, um, because th this is a very, very talented guy. And uh, we're wishing for him a very speedy recovery. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. San Antonio Spurs appear that they're going to be pivoting out of championship contention, out of playoff contention, um, and kind of to the back of the conference here. Resigned DeMar DeRozan. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is still there. Outside of that, they lost Brent Forbes. They don't really have a whole lot going for him, and I'm not going to spend too much time on the San Antonio Spurs. Phoenix Suns, in my opinion, took one of the biggest steps forward in the Western Conference, bringing in Chris Paul, bringing in Jay Crowder, putting those pieces around Devin Booker, around DeAndre Ayton. Um, this is a team that, in my opinion, has firmly put themselves into the Western Conference playoffs. They re-signed Dario Sarge. Um, they were able to pick up some pieces in the draft. They did lose Aaron Baines. But, I mean, this, this roster is looking pretty good. You know, Monty Williams, a very great coach. Chris Paul's leadership, obviously, is second to none. We saw what he was able to do with Oklahoma City in that roster last season. Now he's paired with Devin Booker, an ascending NBA all-star. Um, the future is as bright as it comes in the land of the sun. And I'm very, very excited for my Devin Booker jersey, which should be arriving any day now. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, were able to put themselves into the playoff game, but ultimately, of course, we know that they did not make the playoffs. They were beaten by the Portland Trailblazers in that in that playoff or in the play-in series. Um, but the Grizzlies bringing back a lot of their talent. Jaron Jackson Jr. should be healthy and back on the roster. Um, the, the future is also very, very bright for them. John Morant is an incredible talent. Um, I know he's hungry and eager to get back on the court. Uh, I'm very excited to kind of see how the Grizzlies and the Suns and the Kings kind of all duke it out right there along around the bottom of the conference here um, for that last position, because I think it's going to be a very, very fun, fun um, Western conference this season. Uh, I know I have NBA league pass, Brad, I know you do too. I'm going to be glued to the TV um, because all these games that used to just kind of be throwaways have now turned into uh, potential shootouts. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So as we kind of talk about the teams that were outside of the playoffs looking in, what team in your opinion, do you think, um, really solidified themselves as a guaranteed 
uh, w- with a guaranteed playoff this upcoming season? I'm going to say none. None of the teams uh, did because, it, like you said, it's going to be very, very tough. Uh, I know John Morant in the second year, uh, he's going to have a lot to say. And, you know, JJJ is great on that Grizzlies team. And they were there. And I know they're going to be hungry to prove that, you know what, they should have been in the playoffs last year. So I think that they are there. The Pels is yet to be seen. Uh, what what else is done at the roster? But they're going to have to ha- they're going to have a lot to say as well. I think the Kings getting Tyrese Halliburton in the draft was very, you know, great. And we'll see what happens with Buddy Hield, although losing potentially, well, potentially losing uh, bogey is going to be a blow to them. But I really think it's going to come down to the Pelicans, the Grizzlies. And I mean, I think the Suns will be a little bit higher in the Western Conference rank hierarchy but like i said the, the west is a rat race i don't expect the portland trailblazers to be at eight or nine uh, barring injuries uh this year so it's going to be a rat race so i think it's a team that solidified themselves at that bottom half of getting into the west until we see how games play out until we see all the moves being made uh as there's still being moves made as markeith morris is you know returning to the Los Angeles Lakers that just happened uh, reported by Shams. And I know that the Clippers were courting him. So it's it's a rat race in the, in the West. It always is. And I'm going to say that no one guaranteed themselves a spot in. We have to see how the games are played out, especially with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans being in the same division. They're going to see each other a lot. They're going to be very familiar with each other. So they're going to really beat up on each other throughout the entire year. So it's going to be fun to see. Well, you know, Brad, this is exactly why I bring you on the podcast, man, because you keep me honest and you can keep um, and to be completely honest, just like you said, you know, all these teams, their roster, you look at the top eight in the West and I mean, you could say that Houston probably fell out of that. But outside of that, I mean, the top eight all across the board have found ways to get better. Obviously, Oklahoma City, you know, isn't necessarily trying to get better immediately. But with all the draft picks that they've been able to acquire, I mean, who knows? The the, the future is very, very bright for them. So, yeah, to your point, I mean, there is no guarantees. There's no free lunches in the Western Conference, you could say. Um, So these teams are really going to have to come with it. They're going to have to be hungry, starved if you will, because, um, you know, playoff bursts are not just going to be given out, and especially with the potential play-in tournament. Records are really going to be important, especially at the bottom of the conference. So teams are really going to have to make sure that they're coming out and taking care of business. Yeah, Um, and can I say something real quick? The play-in tournaments this year, the play-in tournaments this year are going to be much CTV on both, uh, in both. I think that's why I couldn't really give a definitive answer on the West because the play-in tournament is going to be very crucial in both conferences. I think more so in the East, we kind of know who those teams are who are going to be 7-8 and eight in the East, and that's going to be a little bit more solidified. But in the West, it's going to be completely wide open. So uh, <laughs> I cannot wait for those tournaments. Uh, we obviously got to get through training camp first in 72 games before we get to that point. But once we do and once we see who is going to be there, that's going to be must talked about on this program and programs across the sports world. Is talking about the NBA, uh, the playing tournaments, it's just going to be all eyes on it. And it's going to be really, really great competition between the teams as, you know, it's going to be teams who are very familiar with each other and played each other, played against each other four to five times throughout the season. So it's, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one. I know a lot of people enjoyed the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers playing game last year. That was just a sample side, the taste of what could be uh, in the play-in tournament. So NBA, you did really great with this. And I think it's really going to pay off this year. A hundred percent. And I mean, you, you look at the way that people gravitate towards the NCAA tournament for its kind of unpredictability um, and for that parity that you see. And the NBA has kind of found a way to hybridize that um, into their regular season schedule and playoff appearances. So I'm very excited for the NBA this season for a, for a multitude. To your point, Brad, yeah, the playing tournament is definitely going to be much CTV. So make sure you got your popcorn pop, your NBA league pass logged in because you're going to be glued to the TV and there's going to be plenty of action for you to consume. Um, so, yeah, as we continue to move up through the conference, Portland Trailblazers were sitting at the number eight seed last season. Don't expect that to be the case this upcoming season. I mean, my personal opinion, Portland took one of the biggest steps forward of any team in the Western Conference, which says a lot given some of the acquisitions that we're going to go over here. So 
Quickly talking about the Portland Trailblazers, brought in Robert Covington, uh, be able to bring in Rodney Hood. You have Harry Giles on the roster at the Enes Cantor. Of course, you're bringing back your dynamic duo of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And then, you know, you have your Simons, your Littles, et cetera, et cetera. So the Trailblazers, the biggest issue, in my personal opinion, has always been depth. It looks like they were able to find a way to finally right that wrong here. Um, bringing in guys who are going to be able to play meaningful minutes and body to go out there and do their best to guard what is a loaded wing and and four. I mean, the, the three fours and fives in the Western Conference are no joke, and you need big bodies to throw at them. And now with a front court of Cantor and Nurkic, et cetera, you have the necessary bodies to go up against your Jokic's, to go up against your Anthony Davis's, and then adding those wing players in your Robert Covington's, in your Carmelo Anthony's, your Rodney Hood's, et cetera. So you have big bodies to throw at your Kawhi Leonard, your LeBron James's, your Paul George's, et cetera. You need those pieces in order to win games. And we saw in the play, or I'm sorry, in the bubble, uh, the Portland Trailblazers just simply did not have the bodies, you know, they lost Zach Collins. Trevor Reza was out of the bubble. Uh, Carmelo Anthony did the best that he could. And we saw a very, very brief appearance, one shining moment from winning Gabriel. But come on, that, that's not going to be enough in the Western Conference. And we know that. So Portland did everything they could. I would give them personally an A for their for their offseason grade here. And I'm excited to see what they look like this coming season. Dallas Mavericks, as we mentioned before, were able to make that trade with the 76ers and bring in a very versatile wing defender in Josh Richardson. I love that. Uh, re-signed Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, able to add in a couple more pieces here and the Mavericks were able to most importantly retain that cap space for next season. As we know, there's going to be some big names, GA wink, wink available that they are going to be going after. So for Dallas Mavericks looking good, you got Luca. That's really all you need. The future is super bright for them. I'm excited to see what Luca does um, as he is probably going to be very, very firmly in the MVP conversation this upcoming season. Utah jazz under new ownership. We signed Donovan Mitchell to a massive extension as well. Get paid. Donnie, get paid. And we knew he would. I mean, this guy has very quickly become the face of the franchise for the Utah Jazz. I mean, he he is their unquestioned leader on the court and off the court. Um, you know, he had some tumultuous situations with Rudy Gobert during the whole coronavirus bubble NBA hiatus situation. But we saw how those guys came back in the bubble and were able to play together. Mike Conley was a good addition. I look for him to kind of continue to round into form in this upcoming season. And the Jazz will probably be firmly in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference per usual. Obviously, the Oklahoma City Thunder fell out of contention because of the fact that they traded everybody. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on them. Houston Rockets. Oh, the Houston Rockets. Now, this is this is a situation that definitely is one that everybody's going to be monitoring, probably probably for the entirety of the season. I mean, do we think that Russell Westbrook and James Harden are going to be on their team um, halfway, midway through this upcoming season? Personally, I don't. I would be surprised if both of them were still on the roster by the time that the season started, let alone up until the trade deadline. I mean, it just seems like a very untenable situation in Houston. You have two superstars, two megastars that are completely unsatisfied with what is currently happening, completely unsatisfied with the roster. And due to all the shuffling that you've done, I mean, you have kind of taken more of a step back than forward. You lost Robert Covington. You did not retain Trevor Reza. I mean, shout out to them for signing Christian Wood, who was able to negotiate his contract in real time on Twitter, which once again, get paid, um, who I really, really like. I think Christian Wood is going to be a great fit for the Houston Rockets. But in my personal opinion, you had Clint Capella. Clint Capella was not as versatile as Christian Wood potentially is, but you're also giving a guy a pretty big contract based on one season of him playing well on a team in Detroit who was an absolute garbage fire. So it remains to be seen what Houston is going to look like. It's very easy to say, given the fact that they have two disgruntled superstars, a uh, completely calamitous roster, and a first-time NBA head coach, uh, Houston, we have a problem. So w we'll see what happens here. I'm, I'm, I really, I really don't know what what that what that situation is going to look like here. Uh, Harden has been whispered in all types of trade rumors from Philadelphia to Brooklyn, Golden State. You know, you could run the gamut here. Uh, and then same for Westbrook. Most recently, there have been some murmurs about him potentially going to the Clippers. Uh, again, well, we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. The Denver Nuggets. Obviously, they got the big honeypot and Nikola Jokic here, bringing him back, able to bring back Millsap, added in Jamichael Green. Um, we're able to maintain Michael Porter Jr. Uh, you know, we had heard them possibly in the Drew Holiday conversation, weren't able to bring in a name of that caliber. But, I mean, the Nuggets were really, really good last season. Consistently, they have been at the top of the Western Conference 
quietly for some reason. Um, Jamal Murray had a huge breakout, and I look for them to continue that momentum into this regular season. So I'm excited to see what they do in the Mile High City. And as we move into the top two seeds, the land of L.A. Now, I know they say it's California loving, but there's clearly no love lost between these two franchises. And the Los Angeles Clippers saw Montrez Harrell walk out the door and join the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, that hurts. That hurts big time. Obviously, the Clippers brought in Ty Lue. They replaced Doc Rivers. Um, they sent Landry Shaman out the door in a trade. They were able to bring in Serge Ibaka, who I think definitely helps them at the power forward position, uh, his versatility, his veteran leadership, et cetera. I mean, potentially you could start him in a small ball five and ideally have him, he, or him Morris, PG, Kawhi, and whoever is your point guard and potentially have a starting lineup that could all shoot the three, really stretch the floor on the Lakers who are going to be rolling with a lot of big guys here. So some possibilities for the Clippers, but ultimately, I mean – the battle for L.A. Is, is is not on their side right now. Obviously, the Lakers are coming off of that championship, and they their roster now is is just insane. So the Clippers, I hope that they have something else up their sleeve because if they don't, uh, I, I do not see the season going very well for them. A lot of unanswered questions for them on that roster, and even more so now with the loss of Montrez. Um, and bringing that into the number one seed in the NBA championship, championship winners your los angeles lakers not only did they bring in reigning sixth man of the year montrez harrell not only did they bring in his backup and dennis schroeder but they signed marcus all ladies and gentlemen the league is in trouble the league is in trouble We've heard all this chatter and conversation about what the Brooklyn Nets are going to do and how the league should be scared because of what Giannis and the Bucks could do. And, oh, look out for the Miami Heat. And did anyone think about the Los Angeles Lakers and their ability to do what they have done, given their limited roster flexibility and cap space? Good God. I mean, this is a team that found a way to stay hungry off of an NBA champion. That, to me, is just – and for those of you that are regular listeners to this program, you know that I am by far not a Lakers fan, not a Lakers hater by any means because I love good basketball at any transition, any point. I'm always going to watch. You know, but this is unprecedented. I mean, Marcus Gasol following in the footsteps of his brother Powell, bringing him in – we're talking about potentially starting a lineup, and I'm not even going to – we're talking about potentially having LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Mark Gasol on the court at once. Good luck scoring basketball. Good luck. That's all I'm going to say. Good luck. Because the Lakers have reloaded and retooled in a way that I don't think anybody thought was possible. Um, and I am very, very excited to see what this team looks like because – it, it, it's, it could be very, very scary here. So as we're looking at what was one through eight last season and we're trying to figure out where they're potentially going to be in this upcoming season, there's clearly going to be a lot of shuffling. As you said, this very calamitous season. we got a short schedule. Who, who took the biggest step forward, Brad, out of these top eight teams? Who took the biggest step back? And what team do you think, if there is one, is one step away from putting themselves firmly in that Western Conference Finals conversation? So to address who took the biggest step forward, for me, I know you said the Trailblazers, and I'm not going to bite off of that. I definitely agree with you. I think another team that took a step forward for another reason was the Dallas Mavericks because they really focused on defense throughout the draft, through trades and whatnot. And we all know how they were one of the most efficient offenses in NBA history last year. Uh, You can look at the numbers, and Rick Carlisle continues to do a wonderful job as a coach. He's one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA. You still have Luka as you – Said, and I 100% agree, MVP caliber player, and he will be one of the front runners throughout the entire year. And I think they definitely took a step forward, you know, losing, you know, Steven Silas, who a lot of people, you know, touted as the architect of that defensive structure in Dallas that, you know, they necessarily on paper, when you look at it, you didn't think that they should be defensive in or good, um, as a matter of fact, on a defensive end, but they definitely did have a pretty good defense last year and to lose that piece, but then bring in capable defenders in their own right. 
I know they lost some shooting, but hey, they still have some shooting on that team. It's not like Josh Richardson can't shoot the ball. So I liked what the Dallas Mavericks did this offseason, as well as the Portland Trail Blazers, uh, adding the pieces they get, uh, retaining Melo, and you know, continuing to, if they can remain healthy, be knocking on the door of potentially getting to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, it'll be an interesting, you know, battle between them and Denver, uh, as well as, you know, the Mavericks. I think they're all going to be in conversation of trying to get to the Western Conference Finals. The team that took the biggest step back, in my opinion, uh, we don't, it's yet to be seen with the Houston Rockets, but I definitely think the Clippers, uh, uh, you know, you, you talked about the Battle of LA. I think the Battle of LA needs to be taken away for as the battle for relevancy for the Clippers because even though they have, you know, star studded cast that is headlined by Paul George or uh, Layoff P, Pandemic P, whatever you want to call him, and Kawhi Leonard, who should always have respect next to his name because um, there's no question that he is one of the still one of the best two way players in the league. But lost, you know, Montrez Harrell. They let him walk. Uh, they lost to Michael Green. Uh, they kept Marcus Morris, but they, they weren't able to get his brother. Uh, they brought in Serge Ibaka as a stretch five, which I think he's going to be good. But I mean, the Clippers still don't have a point guard in. That's one of the things that Kawhi Leonard was, you know, trying to recruit around the league, was trying to get a point guard in. And with a lot of the best point guards that were available in the free agency not being not being available anymore and you trade away Landry Shamit, uh, it's, it's still yet to be seen who is going to help generate and really set up that offense because we know Patrick Beverly can do it uh, to a, a certain extent, but you need someone better as the point guard, if you're talking about the Clippers and if you're trying to, you know, compete for an NBA championship and uh, that's still yet to be seen. So they're going to have they, they still have some work to be, to be done. And if that is has to be done via trade or whatnot, uh, the Clippers got to do it. Steve Ballmer, he can uh, try to clean house as much as he want and yell and scream like he does on the sideline when the teams are doing good. All he wants, I'm sure that he does. He has that keeps that same energy when they're not doing good. But he has to really look out and see what deal can they make to bring a point guard in to really help this roster and help them keep pace with the Los Angeles Lakers. Because the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, they definitely made some upgrades at some position. I'm 50-50 on Montrez Harrell because he is an energy guy and he can be hot and cold. But, you know, his, his talent is undeniable. And I think that with them bringing Marcus all in, if you start him at the five, you still and you start him at the five, and you still bring Montrez Harrell off the bench for that six man role. And depending on what you do with Schroeder, if he is starting or six man, that is a great you know jump start to their bench in in LA. So it's going to be tough to dethrone them in the West, and I think it will be a shuffle between the Trailblazers, the Mavericks, depending on health for the Mavericks and the Nuggets as to who is going to really challenge the Lakers. But ultimately, I think that the Lakers uh, have a pretty easy walk through the Western Conference. And not easy. Uh, that's probably not the right term, but they're very favorable to repeat this year because of the, the moves they made on their roster to reload, reshuffle, if, whatever you want to call it. And they still have AD, um, even though he hasn't signed with them yet. He... Uh, he's going to resign with them. They still got King James. And I know that it's funny because a lot of people, when LeBron James was in the East, they said, well, the East isn't that good. He's dominating, dominating, dominating. Well, I think that's just, you know, the greatness of LeBron James is that they had good players. They had good teams in the East, but they just couldn't get past LeBron. And although the West is still talented, it's really looking like that right now, that there's good teams in the West. There, there are some teams that could challenge, but <laughs> I mean, LeBron is just so great. And then when you have the sidekick and not even the sidekick, uh, uh, it's like Batman and Superman. They both uh, are both great, great superheroes in their own right. And can don't do it bad on their own. But together, they're unstoppable. That's what it looks like in, the, in, in Lakerland right now. So I, I mentioned the teams that could challenge them. But I mean, I don't think anybody can really dethrone the Lakers at this point. Yeah, the Lakers are definitely sitting in pole position right now in the Western Conference, and rightfully so. I mean, like I said, they kind of took everybody by surprise this offseason as we thought that they were going to be pretty uh, pretty strapped for for real ability to make lateral moves to improve their roster. And 
you know, credit to them. They proved everybody wrong. Um, and we know the power of a destination. So clearly, um, there's a little bit more appeal and coming out to LA and then going to Cleveland, uh, no disrespect to you, Cleveland, you know, you know, we love you Cleveland, but you know, that weather just hits a little different out in LA. So the Western conference, Eastern conference, NBA as a whole is going to be very, very exciting as we've covered this off season here. Um, the transaction window has been fast and furious and I look for that to continue as we rapidly approach training camp on December 1st here. Uh, we got a little over a week left, and I'm sure some teams are going to look to make the moves that they need in order to put themselves into the position they think that they should be. So I'm very, very excited for what comes next. Well, Brad, as always, man, I'm very, very grateful to have you on another episode of our breakdown today. Uh, let the people of the Hoopball universe know what else you got going on for the network and otherwise. I'm sure you have a very, very eventful schedule ahead of you with the NBA, um, with the Atlanta Hawks, you know, getting ready for training camp. David, thank you again for having me on. It's always a pleasure being here on the Box Score Breakdown uh, with your listeners. Uh, you guys, you got a gym here and David Bracey, uh, one of the best to do it out there. Uh, so definitely keep him in your rotation. Keep him near and dear to your heart because he is an American treasure. But as far as me uh, continuing working on Hoop Ball Hawks, uh, if you want to hear a little bit more about the Hawks and my thoughts on our drafts, which I think was a really great draft and our free agent period and, and what's going to look what is training camp going to look like it's going to be very competitive in atlanta and that's ultimately going to mean more competitive teams so check me out all season long if you really love the hawks you love trey young or you you love gallo if you are a gallo fan which is um, i don't know if you have a following probably in italy uh if you're in italy listening to this pod shout out to you but definitely check me out at hoopball hawks follow us on twitter for all the latest updates follow me on twitter myself at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. And you'll hear me on a lot of hoop ball pies as of late. Um, I can tie dollar sign right now. I'm featured on everything, but I have my own show and my own, uh, my own credentials as well. So I'm just continuing to do what I do, build this thing up and uh, continue to inform the people here in Atlanta and across the globe on Hawks doings and as well as what's going so once again, David, thank you for having me on. It's always fun to talk hoops with you, uh, a really smart young brother who knows what he's talking about. And he's not on here talking 2K ratings and 2K lineups, guys. He's talking the real thing, money and on the court. So David Bracey, like I said, a, a true American treasure. <laughs> you're too kind. You're too kind. Brad, as always, man, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you on the pod. And we definitely, everybody in the network, and otherwise we appreciate all the great work you've been doing covering the Hawks. Uh, big things coming for you and for Atlanta. So very, very excited to see what you do with that role. Um, and if you haven't already, make sure that you're listening to Brad's podcast. Give him a follow. Uh, check him out on all the platforms, et cetera. And yeah, you know, like you said, we're always going to keep it real on this podcast. We're always going to talk about hoops um, and everything that you need to know to prepare you for your fantasy draft, for your water cooler conversation, or just, you know, your everyday otherwise hooping. So you can tune in, check us out. Find me on Instagram and Twitter, DFB underscore three. Subscribe, like, review. Make sure you give us a five-star review. Five-star, five-star, five-star. And we appreciate all of our listeners that are part of the Hootball Universe. As always, thank you, everybody, as you're preparing for this holiday season. Make sure that you're staying healthy. Travel safe if you are. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep hooping. We'll talk to you all soon. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.